Hi, welcome to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. In our previous podcast, we shared with you the experience of visiting with Dick Clark in Huntington, West Virginia, when he fielded questions from teenagers in a local TV special called Young Ideas. As promised, we'll have more of those questions and answers in just a moment. But first, this side trip down memory lane. As I learned during several encounters with Dick, he was one of those celebrities who had a special gift for remembering names and faces. For example, just a few months after our first encounter at Syracuse University, I was in New York City, walking up 6th Avenue on my way to an interview appointment. I was lost in thought, probably worried about what I was going to say at the interview, when suddenly, out of nowhere, someone in front of me begins waving at me and calling my name. Tom! Tom! I wondered, who could that be? I didn't know anybody in the Big Apple. Well, it turned out to be Dick Clark. He'd recognized me from our previous visit in Syracuse. Well, as it turned out, this would not be the last time that happened. But we'll tell you more about that later. Right now, let's get back to those questions and answers from the teenagers in Ohio, West Virginia, and Kentucky. These were excerpts from the show Young Ideas, originally taped in September 1975. Here's the first question. Do other adults your age resent it when you hang out with younger people all the time? I think maybe they, they do, but not seriously. They say, how can you stand kids all the time and not realizing it? For the most part, older people uh, are uncomfortable with younger people. I prefer to be with younger people than older people because you are full of surprises. You're not as jaded as the older generation. You, are, uh, you don't know it can't be done yet. And they all think they know that it's, it's hopeless, and that's discouraging. So from that standpoint, the only thing they ever say to me is, aren't you ever going to grow up? You know, I hope not, you know, is the answer. In your opinion, why are teenagers unable to communicate with their parents? Because they're no different from anybody who ever came down the pike before. I'll tell you a quick, quick story. We do a reunion in Philadelphia every couple of years, and I get together kids who are now uh, young adults. They're in their early 30s. And we went through an awful lot of criticism, uh, really bad. I mean, in those days, we didn't have any kids. They were hand-me-down adults. They didn't have any clothes of their own. They wore adult clothes. That parents had just begun to call them teenagers, and then they heard that music, and that scared the daylights out of them. And they had those funny-looking ducktail haircuts and uh, greased down, looked really odd, bizarre-looking people. And they got a lot of criticism. Nowadays, I turn to those 30-year-olds and I'll say, what do you think of today's kids? And they're just as critical as their parents were. So the problem is very simple. As people get older, they forget what it used to be like to be young. And they think that you're, uh, you're some sort of an animal on the loose, you know, and, and hard to talk to. It's, there's no secret. If older people could only talk to younger people as if younger people were their age and vice versa, because it's a two-way street. So you cut them off, too. You think, I say you, I don't mean you personally, young people in general think older people are not too bright. You know, they really don't know where it's at. They don't, they're not too much in tune with today. You've got to remember, in order to live to be 30 or 40 years old, you've been around the horn a lot of times. There was a man once who said he was amazed to find out how much his father had learned in the five years during the time he grew to be 16 to 21. His father didn't learn anything, the kid learned something. So it's, if you open up an avenue of communication, you can talk with your kids. I hope I'm talking with my 18-year-old son better than my father and I talk, because I, I never got a chance to talk to my father heart-to-heart on basic issues until I was in my 30s. So it's an age-old problem, but you've got to help. You've got to make the old folks relax. 
What do you think about the dances of today? Well, I, I do a show in Las Vegas called Good Old Rock and Roll, and we use the winners of uh, one of the winners of the American Bandstand Dance Contest uh, as an example. As you grow older, you tend to say the music isn't as good as it used to be and the dancing is not what we used to have and all of that. That's baloney. There are better dancers around today than there ever were. They're very, very sex-oriented, though. I, I wonder what would happen, man. I looked out here three weeks ago when they had that parade here and we were all there, or many of us were there, and there's a whole high school band doing the bump in the main street of Huntington, West Virginia. Now, you know what would have happened in the 50s? If they seen the bump, they would have burned this television station down. <laughs> I remember the first day the kids ever did the twist. I called on the phone to the control room and said, you better not show that, you know. But that's silly. They're better dancers and better music and better dressed and all of that. Are the songs in American Bandstand pre-taped or are the groups singing them live? No, we make no secret about it. Years and years ago, uh, there was a man named Mitch Miller, whom you won't recall, who was highly critical of rock and roll in general. It was one of the few times in his life he was mistaken. I mean, he was a bright man, but he didn't think it was good stuff and wouldn't last. And he was particularly critical of lip synchronization, popularly known as lip syncs. That's what you see every time you go to a movie and you hear somebody sing. They just flap their mouth and the words come out. It's a very interesting technique, though, because if you do it badly, you can see it done. If it's done well, you cannot, under any circumstances, tell the difference. And it's now being used on the Share program, on the Carol Burnett show, everything. I mean, it's very common. And what it does is it gives you the exact sound you expect to hear because you can't create it live no matter if you had all the money in the world. People go and make records now and they spend uh, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars on an album, but maybe on a single record they would spend uh, $25,000, $50,000 on a single alone. That would be an awful lot. And, but they might spend weeks making it. There's no way in the world you're ever going to duplicate it. So, so we don't make any secret about it. We just do it. I had one final visit with Dick about a year or so after this taping. I was working on a magazine story about him and his role in American Bandstand and needed some more quotes. So I managed to reach him by phone in Las Vegas, where he was appearing as a headliner in a rock and roll show on the Strip. I caught up with him between performances for a phone interview and asked him about the subject of success. You're a man who's traveled three million miles, entertained millions of people, presented thousands of acts, and incidentally happened to be a self-made millionaire. How do you perceive this tremendous success that you have achieved? It's a combination of uh, two or three factors. One was, uh, the first and foremost was enjoying good health through the period. second one was knowing very early in life the kind of work I wanted to do. The third was, uh, oh, what's, what's, what's the fancy word for stick-to-itiveness? Uh, tenacity. And the fourth, of course, is a modicum of good luck and timing. Hmm. The old thing, the sweet smell of success is the smell of perspiration. <laughs> That's not original, but it's a very, very astute observation of people who do what they want to do, whether they achieve financial success or inner success or worldly acclaim or whatever the hell success is. If you achieve what you wanted to achieve and you're happy doing it, that's success. And it usually means the guy worked his ass off. Sadly, Dick Clark passed away in 2012. But as a fond postscript to the story, I'll always remember him for that incredible knack of recalling people's names and faces. As I hinted at earlier, the other time he demonstrated that gift was on his arrival at Huntington Airport in West Virginia in 1975. I was there taking pictures as the low man on the totem pole at the TV station. Lined up to meet him as he got off the plane were the station manager, my boss, the promotion manager, 
and yours truly, way, way at the end of the line. Well, wouldn't you know it, the only face he recognized in that big crowd was mine. And so he walked right past all the others who had reached out to shake his hand and walked up to me with that famous smile on his face as he said, Hi, Tom. Good to see you again. That's a moment I'll always treasure, being recognized by a world-famous celebrity like Dick Clark. And that's the way it was, September 1975. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Nielsen, and this has been A Look Behind and Rewind. See you next time.